Thanks to BetterHelp for supporting The Secret Room. For 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com secret. And thanks to Noom for supporting The Secret Room. Getting in shape isn't just about losing weight. It's about learning healthier habits and feeling better about yourself. Noom helps us learn to develop a new relationship with food. Sign up for your free trial today at Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash secret. Go ahead and tell me a secret. So I do this thing. Um, I try and avoid Walmart at most costs, except for when I'm feeling kind of like down about myself. I go to Walmart because I know I am by far the most attractive person um, at Walmart. And so <laughs> it just makes me feel better about myself. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of something I, I do. Wow. I can't believe that. There is liberal use of adult language in this episode. So I call my boyfriend and I explain to him what just happened. And I'm like, I need you to come and fucking get me. I'm like, if I stay here, I'm like, I'm going to go to jail until I'm 21. I'm like, the cops, I saw them. They were already on the way to my house. They're probably like trolling the neighborhood looking for me. I'm like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Sarah joins us today from Chicago, Illinois, with a story of misspent youth. This this is a pretty outrageous story. I'm not going to lie. I don't know if anybody would believe it anyways. <laughs> Sarah's going to tell us about an adventure where she had multiple run-ins with the law. My name is Sarah, and my secret is I went on the run from the law when I was 17. I spent some time in jail. But thanks to a twist, my criminal record isn't connected to me. Some might say I'm still on the lam, but I don't see how it could catch up to me. It's an adventure she doesn't tell anyone about. Um, how, how many people know your secret? There are probably six people mm -hmm. that know my secret, and two of them have passed on. Mm. So, four? So the group of people that could incriminate you is getting smaller. Yes, and they were all involved in it, oh. so I don't think they're going to tell anybody. Circle of silence. Yes. She doesn't even tell the people that she's closest with? Do you have siblings? Yes, we're very close now. Do they all know your secret? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah, like, I mean, they, they, know, they know part of it. But they, they don't know what happened, like, whenever I went on the, the lamb from the law. Like, they don't, they don't know where I was for, like, a good year. Oh, my so God. So they have no clue. Wow, they must have been worried. So hang on to anything as we tell you a story of one young woman's determination to navigate, albeit recklessly, the spaces where crime and justice intersect. I could have gotten thrown in jail till I was like 21, Ben. I was, no. Just no. <laughs> you, just, you weren't going to have any of that. This is The Secret Room, a podcast about the stories no one ever tells. I'm Ben Ham. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to The Secret Room. Hi, Ben. Thank you. You're welcome. Your secret is so intriguing. I'm excited to tell it. I'd like to just roll back, obviously, you know, to before all this started and ask you, what was life like growing up as a kid? Well, 
life kind of sucked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you know, I didn't have I didn't have like the best childhood. My parents were too religious. There was some domestic abuse that occurred between your parents. No, between my father and me and my siblings. I see. It was rough. Childhood was rough, and you know, I kind of became, I guess, one of the the bad kids, one of the problem kids. Yeah, I just, I kind of rebelled at everything and just did what the fuck I wanted, so. <laughs> How did you rebel? You know, I went out, I did a lot of partying, um, I did a lot of drugs. I, I know, like, uh, I started smoking. It, it was a really big thing for my family. There was, like, one day, I remember I had, like, friends over, and I was outside smoking a cigarette, and my dad caught me, and he's, like, yelling at me to get in the house, and I just kind of stood there, and I looked at him and, like, finished my cigarette, and then threw it down and, like, went in the house. So, like, anything that they told me to do, I was like, I'm going to do the opposite, you know, typical rebellious kid, I guess. And I know it's not the focus of the story, but, you know, what form did the abuse take? Uh, Physical. There was physical and emotional. It must have been hard. It it was, but it was a learning experience. I wouldn't be who I am without having gone through everything I went through. And it's all good now. You know, we made peace within the family. That's, that's good. So you're in touch with your parents now? I am, yes. Do you have siblings? I do, yes. Were they subject to abuse also? Yes. And you're in touch with them? I, I am, yes. Actually, we're we're very close now. Do they all know your secret? No. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. Wow. They must have been worried. They were. They they tried to contact me. You know, I did everything I could to not have any contact with them because if they found out where I was, like, I w- could have gotten thrown in jail till I was, like, 21, Ben. I was, no. Wow. Just no. <laughs> you, just, you weren't going to have any of that. No, I, I definitely was not going to have any of that. No. I I like my freedom. Yeah. I think we're ready to dig into this a little bit more. Okay. What kind of trouble did you get into at 17 that led to this craziness? So at 17, I think I was in like my junior year and I had skipped school a lot, like most of the time. And so I had some truancy stuff against me. I had also been caught with pot. And so I had a pot charge as well. And then I finally got a court date. And when I went to court, you know, my mom made sure that they like, they locked me up for like two weeks. And this is like right before Christmas. It was one week, and then we come back to court, and then, you know, the judge asked my mom, well, do you want to take her home? And she's like, no, let her sit there. You were in juvenile detention. Yes, juvenile detention. And how was that? It was horrible. Like, I I had a hard time with it. I am such a free person that sitting in that jail cell by myself in was just, it was hard. Like, I just sat there for 24 hours a day, ate horrible food. I'd, I'd even asked at one point, I was like, I need to talk to somebody because I'm having a hard time dealing with this. And they were like, okay, okay. And then they just kind of brushed it off, you know, and I never talked to anybody. I just sat there like very depressed for two weeks. It was horrible. Did you feel like you'd, you know, like it was teaching you a lesson? You know, I guess that's what it's for, you know, <laughs> like, were you like, oh my God, I've been a bad kid and I shouldn't smoke pot anymore. Or, or were you just angry? I was just angry. Like, I was angry at the world. I felt like 
you know, nobody understood why I was having the issues that I was having, and I did. I understood where my anger came from. I understood where my rebelliousness came from. And when I tried to talk to people about it and be like, look, I'm having these issues with my parents. These are the things that I'm going through that I need to sort out. And they'd be like, no, it's not them. It's you. It's all you. And it was just, it was frustrating. It was very frustrating. Your behavior came from the abuse. Yes. And nobody listened. Nobody listened. And so that probably just compounded your feelings. Oh yeah, definitely. I was very, very resentful and very angry. And then why did your mom say just let her sit? She wanted to teach me a lesson and she thought, you know, like, that by letting me sit in jail, this would stop all of my behaviors. It would teach me to straighten up and and just kind of get my shit together. And it did pretty much the opposite because all I wanted to do was get the fuck away from her. Like, that's that's where I was pretty much most of my childhood. Like, once I became a teenager, I just wanted to get the fuck out of that house. Like, I couldn't take it. Yeah. I mean, you were being physically abused. You you don't want to stick around for that. Yeah. So so what happened after, you know, after your mom declined to take you home? What else was I going to do? I didn't have any options at that point. It was, you know, just sit there. It's either act out and be tackled by, you know, some of the guards that were there or just sit there and deal with it as best as possible. And that's, I mean, that's pretty much all I could do. Did that happen to you? No. Did, I mean, were you? No. Were there? Okay. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't act out. You know, that, but that was my option. It was like if I, if you fight it and you're already in there, then what's going to happen is you're going to get tackled and you're just going to get stuck back in your little cell, versus just sitting there and dealing with it. And you might get a couple of hours out of yourself for the day to watch some crappy TV show and be around other people that hate it just as much as you do. Wow. So how much more time did you have to spend in there then? I spent a total of two weeks on my third court date. My mom decided that she wanted to bring me home because it was literally like a few days before Christmas. And she didn't want me to have to stay in there for Christmas. So she wanted me home. At that point, I didn't care anymore. I was like, I'm kind of done with you. <laughs> so you. So you got out and you came home. Yes, and I was on probation. There were some stipulations, and this is where going on the run comes into play. Okay. I had a couple of friends and a boyfriend at the time, and they did not want me to see them because they thought that they were a bad influence on me, even though I was acting out before I met these people. So how that came about or made sense, I don't really know. But, but they didn't want me to see them. Um, those were pretty much the main stipulations that I had. And so you felt a little bit like you were a prisoner at home. Oh, definitely. I wasn't even like allowed to walk out my back door or my front door for that matter. 
it was horrible. It sucked. I mean, it's like every liberty you have has just been stripped from you and you have no control over anything whatsoever. Those were terms of your probation? Yes. That you had to stay at home? I had to stay at home. Oh, wow. And so how, how long was that supposed to be in effect? I guess basically until I proved myself because I think it was like I was on probation for at least a month before I started getting some liberties and they gave me time on the weekends. I was allowed to go out, you know, from about 10 o'clock in the morning and I had to be home by six o'clock at night. Okay. Did you have a a probation officer that you had to check in Mm -hmm. with to verify those, you know, your comings and goings? It's a little different when you're a juvenile because they don't look at you the same way they do as an adult. What they did was basically had my parents be the people that are checking in and letting them know what I'm up to, what I'm doing, where I'm going, etc. Okay. So did you stick to the letter of the law? Um, kind of. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So it was the first weekend that I was allowed to go out and kind of be on my own. So I was like, okay, I I told my dad, I was like, I'm going to go to the movie theater today, you know, give me some cash and, you know, that way I can at least get out and I can go watch a few movies, you know, because that's, that's what you did. I mean, this was like back before cell phones and stuff. So home was boring, <laughs> you know, so you went out and you did stuff. And so they were like, okay, so they put that trust in me. But I didn't really go to the movies, even though that's where they dropped me off. So (laughs) I ended up meeting my boyfriend there. You're not supposed to see him. Yeah, I'm not supposed to see him, Ben, Mm, like (laughs) at all. All Bad influence. So I go and I hang out with him and we go to the mall. We get something to eat and everything. And then he drops me back off at the movie theater. And it's probably around like 5.30 or so. And so, you know, I, I get there and I call my parents and they're they're on their way to pick me up. And he's long gone. So the funny part is my best friend ended up showing up. I didn't know she was going to be there. And it was totally unplanned. I'm standing outside and she walks up, you know, pretty much right as my dad is pulling up in the car. And, you know, I'm sitting there talking to her because I miss her. She was my best friend. You know, what do you expect me to do? You know, it was a happen chance that I ran into her. So, like, my dad pulls up and he sees her and he is fucking fuming. Like, he's just livid. He's like, oh, hell no. He didn't talk to me the entire car ride home. And I was like, fuck, this is bad. This is so bad. (laughs) Wow. And you weren't supposed to see her either? No, I wasn't. So they didn't know that I went and saw my boyfriend. He just happened right. to catch me with my best friend. So it's funny, like, I was going out and doing shit that I wasn't supposed to do, and then I get caught when I was trying to be good. Oh, my God. Okay, so what did your what did your best friend say when she saw your dad pull up? Was she like, um, this is not good for you? Or? Well, she didn't know. From the moment that I had my court date and I went with my mom, I mean, she basically hadn't heard from me for weeks. So she didn't know the stipulation. So I was like, 
I was trying to explain to her, I'm like, look, dude, if they catch you with me, like, I can go to jail till I'm 21. Because that's, they set it up with the judge. Wow. That if I fucked up once, like, it was over, Ben. It was over. Like, that was it. I was going to go to jail till I was 21 and get my shit sorted out by the law. Oh, basically. my God, Sarah. I mean, that was such a huge risk talking to her while you're, you knew your dad was on the way to come get you. Yeah. Oh, God. My heart was like beating out of my chest. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. Okay. So he rolled up. He got in the car and yeah. he was fuming. Yeah. Sarah's father gets really angry. And what he does and how Sarah reacts combined to set her life on a new track that's coming up. Can we talk about losing weight and learning healthier eating habits for just a second? I'm using one program for my health and weight loss needs. It's called Noom, N-O-O-M. And with this one app, I don't need to hunt for separate workout, calorie tracking, and meal plan apps. It's a great resource all on its own. And it comes with community support and a goal specialist that help keep me motivated and importantly accountable. Noom is designed for results. It's out with the old habits and in with the new. Secret Room listeners, sign up for your free trial today at noomnoom.com slash secret. And one thing that really appeals to me is that Noom is not a diet. I want to make that point really clear. It's a healthy way of life and it's easy to stick to. There are no good and no bad foods. Noom teaches moderation and that's an approach that really works for your podcast hosts because there are just things I enjoy eating that I know I'm never going to give up like chocolate chip cookies, but I could eat fewer of them and I could combine that goal with an overall better approach to my health and weight. So visit noom.com secret to start your free trial today and getting started with Noom opened my eyes pretty quickly to what this app and lifestyle was going to be like. First up, you fill out a survey so the folks at Noom can get a comprehensive view of your lifestyle and your goals to tailor a program just for you. They even set a date for when you can expect to achieve your goal, and I find that extremely motivational. Works for me. I'm going to lose weight with Noom. Secret Room listeners, join me with your free trial at noom.com slash secret. So we go home and like as soon as we pull up, like he runs in the house. Okay, I've never seen my father run before, like not even playing with us, you know, like he didn't run and he goes straight to the phone and I'm just like, fuck. So I run to my room and I'm trying to act super calm right now because I'm like, shit, this is very serious. So I pack a bag because at this point I don't have an ankle monitor on before. I didn't say that before, but I did have an ankle monitor on and I, I earned some trust. They took the ankle monitor off and then I got some liberties. So I go in my room and I'm like packing frantically. I'm like, oh shit, what would I need? You know, clothes, anything that I want that I don't want my parents to find need to go in this fucking bag. And I I hightail it out of there. Like I pack this bag and I jump out the window and I'm I'm like going down the fucking street. I'm walking in the dark. I'm because it's already dark at night. Oh my god. <laughs> so you're out of there, you, but you didn't have any plan. You're just like I'm packing a bag and I'm heading out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Where, where did you? Where were you going? <laughs> <laughs> I was. So I I walked down the street 
And funny enough, as I'm walking down the street, I see, like, the cops didn't see me, but I saw them pass behind me, and they were going to my house. They were, oh, so your your parents had reported you missing? Like I said, they had it set up with the judge that if I fucked up once, then I would go to jail till I was 21. So your parents had reported that you were with your best friend? Yes. Oh, my God. They reported that I was with my best friend. I mean, they knew what consequences this was going to have for you. Yeah, well, they didn't care. Right. They didn't care. They they looked at me as like, I'm just going to do whatever I want. I don't care. But they didn't take into account, you know, there were reasons why I was acting out. When you're young like that, like, your emotions come out differently than they do as an adult because you haven't learned those coping strategies. And especially coming from a background of domestic violence, you don't have the strategies that most people have by that age. So you act out as best you can to deal with the shit that you have to deal with. I couldn't have said it better. So, so you're heading down the street, you, you know, you're evading the law, <laughs> they're driving by you and, and don't see you? Yeah. Where do you go? So I go out to like one of the main streets that, you know, they have like the little shopping centers and I found a little laundromat. I don't even remember where I got changed to make the phone call. So I call my boyfriend and I explain to him what just happened. And I'm like, I need you to come and fucking get me. I'm like, if I stay here, I'm like, I'm going to go to jail until I'm 21. I'm like, the cops, I saw them. They were already on the way to my house. They're probably, like, trolling the neighborhood looking for me. I'm like, I got to get the fuck out of here. And so he does. He comes and he picks me up. Oh, my God. (laughs) He's putting himself at some pretty grave risk. Oh, he hated my parents as much as I did at that time. So it kind of worked out. (laughs) Right. Okay. So he comes to pick you up. We get in the car, and he actually takes me back to his grandparents' house. And I guess when we get there, he actually tells them what's going on. And I'd met his grandparents before, and they were some of the most loving and caring people and just amazing all around because they took me in. They knew what was going on. They put themselves at risk for me. And uh, they let me stay there. They gave me a home. They they made me feel loved. They gave me something I never had before, basically. I felt like I had a family for the first time in my life. How long were you there? I was there for a good part of a year. I stayed there the oh, whole time. Oh, my God. It's like an underground railway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's so, that's, I mean, that's astonishing that the investigative masterminds at your local PD could not sort of piece together that that might be a place where they should at least go ask some questions. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is that at one point in time while I was on the run, I do remember that my mom came over. Like, she pulled up and I just remember, like, my boyfriend was like, oh, my God, your mom is here. Oh, my God. And I don't remember where I went. I think I... I hid, I either hid or we had some friends down the street and I booked it out of there, you know, just to not be there while she was there. And uh, they played it off like, no, we haven't seen her. We have no clue where she is. You know, it's not like any of my stuff was laying around, you know, to provide evidence That's fortunate. that I was there. Yeah. So it was just, it was crazy. <laughs> so, you know, I'm trying to wrap my mind around this. You're living in the same city in a house uh, where you're on the run from the local law enforcement and, you know, your family. I mean, did, did you go out? How did, you know, what did you do? 
How did you um, manage to keep a low profile so nobody would discover you were there? I I mean, I really didn't go too many places. If I did go somewhere, it would be to like a friend's house with my boyfriend, you know, and we would drive there and then we would go right back or we would just hang out at his place, you know, like his grandparents were great. They let us hang out in the garage. I mean, we would sit out there and we would do drugs like... We, we had acid. We got acid, and we did acid out there. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. His grandparents didn't know that part. They knew that we were fucked up. They just didn't know what we were fucked up on. Okay. You know, but they expected it. Like, they knew this is what we did. We were young kids. We we experimented. We tried shit. Interesting situation. So, they're, they're providing a, a safe house, but it doesn't sound like there was really a lot of sort of parental style guidance going on no even though they did love love you they must have yeah huh okay so you know it doesn't seem like like the perfect situation by far oh no not at all (laughs) (laughs) i mean obviously what's your what's your end game here i mean does everybody just think you're gonna live there until retirement or so it was kind of like you know if they don't find me before I turn 18, then when I turn 18, any charges I have against me actually just turn into warrants. And you pay off the warrants, and then you're good to go. Okay, I've got the strategy. Yeah, so that was in-game, was just, you know, wait till I'm 18, and then I can go and function like everybody else does. But right now, I have to hide low and not let people know I exist. Oh my god, that's amazing. So, how long was this period of time, then, that you figured you had to you know, wait down the clock. I mean, it was probably at least like nine months that I had to go. Wow. So generous of everybody to, you know, do this for you and put themselves at risk. I I suppose there could have been consequences for your boyfriend's grandparents and for him if you'd been discovered there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's basically like harboring a fugitive, especially if they've lied to people about it. You know, that's there. There are serious consequences for it. I didn't realize it then, but when I think about it now, I'm just like, holy crap, these were some of the most amazing people. Maybe they weren't what a family should be in giving guidance and discipline, but they gave me love and they took me in in a way that I don't think most people would be willing to do. I I would say that sounds absolutely right yeah <laughs> so you're in a lucky situation so you must have been going a little bit stir crazy now at this house yeah do you ever take any risks like you know running out to the you know video store or something so so we did take a few risks i can honestly say that there were three times that we had a run in with the cops and one of them was extraordinarily bad so one time was We took some hallucinogens and we went out to a park. It was after hours, you know, and a cop came out there and he's like, what are y'all doing out here? You know, and he ended up letting us go, which was awesome. There was another time we actually broke into an abandoned movie theater. (laughs) Why? (laughs) We're like, because Ben, it's what you do. (laughs) Okay. So, and we're like, hey, you know, we we rolled up this joint. We were going to go and we were going to go smoke it out there. And apparently, like, some of my friends had been there already. So we get out there, and this is this is crazy too. I'm sorry. I know this story is like running into another story upon a story upon a story, but it all just happened. 
So we get out there, and apparently, I guess the cops had had a lot of people that were breaking into this abandoned movie theater. Because it's what you do. Yeah, it's what you do. Is, <laughs> as you know, you're a rebellious teenager, you're on the run from the cops, and you're like, hey, let's go break into this abandoned movie theater. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we get there, and everything's good for a few minutes, and then all of a sudden we realize the cops are there. And everybody's fucking scattering. And, like, I still had this joint in my pocket, man. And let me tell you, I fucking chewed that motherfucker down (laughs) quicker (laughs) than I've ever eaten anything. And it was, it tasted bad. The paper was horrible. So then I'm like, oh, shit, I got to hide. So I go into one of the movie theater rooms and I actually climb up into the movie theater, um, the screen part. Wow. And I'm hiding, and I can see the cops coming in there, and they're flashing their lights around, and they left, and then they came back for a minute. And I think maybe somebody had told them where I was, because they were, like, you know, saying, oh, well, we know there's somebody else in here with you. By that time, man, I'm fucking high as a kite. I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm so fucking high. I don't even know what I'm fucking doing at this point. Like, hiding in the rafters behind a fucking movie theater screen. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Your heart must have been racing. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes, it was. I mean, because, you know, there's so many, like, it's more than just that. Like, there's dire consequences. So, eventually, they find me and they pull me out and, I, you know, take me outside. And they've got me and all my friends and we're lined up on the wall. And it was just such a crazy thing. And they end up letting us go. Why? Like, what the fuck just happened? (laughs) Why'd they let you guys go? I don't even remember why they let us go. I think it was, you know, nobody had anything on them. And you're probably wondering, well, how the hell did you get away with it, you know, if you tell them who you are? Well, I told them who I was, but it wasn't really me. What do you mean? (laughs) When I first went on the run, we kind of set up this thing where there was somebody that looked like me. And we had all of their information. And I mean all of their information. How, how'd, you, how'd you get that? Um, it, it was a family member. It was a family member of somebody I knew. And so they, they kind of looked like me, you know. They, they were of age. So, you know, they were a couple years older than I was at the time. And I memorized all of her information. All of it. So whenever anybody asked me, like, I could run down all that information. Like, it was a movie, like, or or it was like a scene out of a movie where, you know, they're sitting there and they're running down through the plan and they're like, this is what you got to do, you know, and then they're having to memorize it. Like, he would, like, my boyfriend would test me on it, like, periodically. Be like, what's her birthday? What's her social security number? Like, I had it all. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) You were prepared. Yes. You're a real criminal mastermind at this point. (laughs) You know, it... (laughs) <laughs> I felt like it, but <laughs> at the same time, it was so fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah. So you had an assumed identity ready to go. Yes. And so when they when they pulled you down from the rafters behind the movie screen and the busted out old closed down theater, did they ask you, you know, who you were and for your ID and in, in your stone state, you were able to pull off the story? Yeah, I gave them all the information. You know, I was able this is my name. I don't have an ID on me, you know. I mean, come on, I'm breaking into a movie theater. You think I'm bringing my ID with me because that's my priority right now? Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Wow. So, you did not have your ID on you? I never carried any kind of identification, you know. So, basically, it would have to be they would go off of what I say. And that's why, 
You know, I had to have all that information drilled into me because, you know, somebody asks you your name, you're going to say it right away. So I had to be able to just pull that information out and give it instantaneously without hesitating. Right. So did you actually have a fake ID? No. So you just had the information in your head. All right. I'm with you. Yes. All right. So they let you go. So what'd you do? We went home for the night and we were like, God damn. (laughs) Like we were all just like, wow, we can't believe that just really happened. We were all just so astonished that nobody went to jail that night and we all got to go home. And, you know, maybe the cops realized, oh, these are just a couple of kids having fun, being stupid. They're not really trying to do any damage, you know, so they, they let us go. You were playing with fire. I I was, and we continued. I think the longer I was on the run and not getting caught, like you, you get this false security, and you're like, oh, it's cool. I can go do whatever I want. Right. And Ben, that's exactly what I did. I did whatever I wanted. What else did you do? So the third time that I ran in with the cops, uh, we were we were bored. We were broke. Um, I don't even remember how we got money at that point, but every now and then we would have money. You know, none of us had jobs. We didn't do that, you know. So we found like odd jobs here and there, helping friends out, etc., to get money. Well, at this point, we were kind of broke and we wanted to have some fun. And we were like, you know what? We can get drunk tonight. And we're like, okay, so how are we going to do this? So we're like, let's go to this store down the road and go steal some beer. And we're like, okay, you know, and there, there's like four or five of us at this point, four of my friends and me. So we go to one store and we get a good loot and we're like, okay, cool, but this isn't enough for all of us. So let's go to the next store and go steal some more wine. And so we did. So we hit up two stores and then we looked at it and we're like, oh, well, we might have enough, but we could have more and ensure that we get really toasty tonight. So what do we do? We go hit up another fucking store. This is the point in the movies where they're like, hey, you know, you probably should just quit while you were ahead because you're done fucked up. <laughs> you, you might have passed that point, actually. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> so we go in and, you know, like I was one of the ones that stole, you know, I, I didn't mind, you know, doing it. It was whatever. But I put myself in a very risky situation. We'll find out what the consequences were in a moment. But first, I want to ask you one question. Is there something that interferes with your happiness or prevents you from achieving your goals? You deserve to be happy, and BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you when you need it. The professionals who work through BetterHelp are licensed and credentialed therapists who are certified by their state's board to provide therapy and counseling. You connect with your professional counselor from wherever you want in a safe and private online environment. You don't have to drive anywhere, and you don't have to wait a long time for an appointment. It's convenient, and when you need to talk to someone, BetterHelp can provide that support quickly in your own space. Your sessions can be scheduled for secure video or phone, whatever works for you. You can even chat and text with your therapist. Get help on your own time, and what you share with your BetterHelp therapist is confidential. And if you ever want to talk to someone different, for whatever reason, you can request a new therapist anytime, and there's no additional charge. 
BetterHelp's licensed professional counselors specialize in a broad range of areas, including depression, relationships, sleeping, and trauma. I have a special for Secret Room listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com secret. Fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor. Start communicating in under 24 hours. That's BetterHelp.com secret for 10% off your first month. So I go in and I remember I actually got two Boone's bottles. As I was trying to walk out, I remembered the bottles fucking clinked and I was like, fuck. That's the moment that you're like, oh shit. And then the security guard like heard it, is looking at you weird. And you're just like, fuck, what do I do? What do I do? (laughs) So what do I do? I'm like, fuck it. Let's run. (laughs) Because that has worked for you so well in the past. Yes. (laughs) So I'm trying to get away from the security guard and I kind of break away. And I, I actually, I get outside, Ben. Okay. And, and this is like a chunky security guard. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm fitter, you know, I'm younger. I can totally outrun the security guard. Well, this security guard was come hell or high water. And you're not fucking with me today because she fought me every second. I mean, she was pulling on me, pulling on my clothes. I was taking clothes off. I was like, fuck it. I was like, I got to the car and I'm running and I'm like fighting with this security guard, Ben. And she finally gets me. And my boyfriend, like, he was there the whole time, too. And he's just, like, he's trying to get her off of me. But, you know, he don't want to put his hands on her because then you can get an assault charge, which they're not supposed to touch you anyways. But this security guard didn't give a fuck. So, eventually, they, they get me down. And they get me in the store and they get me handcuffed. And I'm like, fuck, this is it. Like, I'm sitting on the floor, and they're, like, talking to me, and I'm, like, I'm not even saying anything to them. I'm, like, the best thing to do at this point is just don't say a damn thing. I just sat there and waited, and I was, like, fuck, I'm, I'm going to go to jail till I'm 21 today. That was, that was literally the thought in my head. Sure seems that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, the cops get there, and they, they get me in the car, and I'm, I'm on the way to fucking jail. And I'm, like, this is fucking great. So, they're asking me for the information again. So what do I do? I give my fake identity. That's really somebody else's identity. Right. You're ready for it. A family member's identity. Yeah. Right. And we get to jail. And so I'm like thinking, okay, I'm, I'm going to get fingerprinted. What the fuck do I do? And I had this bracelet on. And the first thing I do is I start, I start tearing up my fingers, Ben. I'm like rubbing it on the corners of this bracelet, like both hands, tearing them up, fucking up my fingers, anything to distort my fingerprints at that point. You're seriously motivated. Yes. I was like, I am not going to jail. Like this was a big motivator. (laughs) Right. I mean, there would have been other ways to avoid going to jail, like, you know, staying out of trouble. Yeah. But I mean, I guess that didn't occur to you at the time. No, no, not at all. (laughs) That makes way too much sense. Okay. We can't do the sensical thing. (laughs) Right. Wow. So did it hurt, you know, tearing up your fingers? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They blistered. Were your fingers bleeding? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some of them were bleeding. Um, Some of them I got better than others. Others just blistered. Some of them popped. 
I remember when they were having a hard time getting my fingerprints. They never looked at my fingers. This is a crazy thing. Like, it was so nuts. It's like all the things you, you would have thought they would have done, they didn't fucking do. I, I was going to say the cops must have been on to you. Like, you know, you're destroying your fingerprints on purpose. They Well, see, they didn't notice. Because huh. my hands are, this is happening in the car as they're driving me to the jail. So my hands are behind my back. Okay. And I'm doing this. You know, I actually had to take the bracelet off at one point because I was like, I need to get them all at the same time because I probably had, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes to be able to do this. But when they took your fingerprints, they didn't notice, you know, that you had no fingerprints? No. Hmm. Okay. Lucky. No. It's not that I didn't have fingerprints. I had fingerprints, but they were distorted. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like trying to push a blister around. The skin was moving. So you're not going to get a, a real copy of the fingerprints. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I just, I'm just so amazed that the fingerprint technician, when taking your fingerprints, regardless of, you know, the condition of your fingers, would not notice that when he or she was taking the fingerprints that they did not come out right print as fingerprints yeah I yeah i don't know i didn't question it maybe it's just me okay so you got through that i i did i got through that so they put me in jail under this other person's name wow and the first thing i do when i get there is i call my boyfriend i'm like what the fuck are we gonna do and he's like, you know, just remain calm. We're trying to handle it out here. What was he doing? And so I give all my information. I'm like, I even had a conversation with the cops, just being casual, you know. <laughs> I mean, my heart was beating out of my chest, but I was trying to remain like so calm and just not act weird. And I guess it worked. <laughs> Good strategy. Because they didn't, they didn't notice anything off, you know. And so they stuck me in this cell. And I was probably there for like five or six hours. And my boyfriend's grandparents bailed me out. Grandparents to the rescue again. Yes. How much was the bail? I don't think it was too terribly much. I didn't even get concerned. I got, I got like, I got bitched out so bad, Ben. By the grandparents? <laughs> Yes. Okay. Well, they're stepping up now. Oh, yes. <laughs> and so your boyfriend's grandparents um, gave you a tongue lashing. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. Probably one of the worst ones I ever got from him. And he was like the sweetest old man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so their patience is being tested. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I think at, at that point they were there. That was probably the only time they really got pissed off at me. I mean, other than that, they absolutely loved me. You know, they're like, well, you realize you're going to have to go to court for this. This isn't over. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, you're going to do this. They're like, you've already committed. Like, you're already in the shit too deep. <laughs> like, you got to do it. <laughs> okay. So what, what did Sarah do? So... <laughs> I, <laughs> oh, no. about a month later, end up having to go to court. Okay. It, it was such a surreal moment. And I'm standing in front of the judge. And I don't even remember what was said. He's like, it was the first offense. Hmm. And he's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to send you to jail. You're not going to do time for this. But he's like, there has to be a consequence for this. So he gave me community service. So it was the first offense because you were still operating under the phony name. Other person's name, yeah. What kind of community service were you assigned? So it's it's pretty much they just give you like I think I had to do maybe 100 to 200 hours of community service and I get to choose where I do it. 
and then I have to have somebody sign off on it. And I don't even remember where I went to do community service. I remember I did it. You know, I didn't have anything else to fucking do, so might as well. Okay. So I went out and I, I did my community service. And then, you know, like whenever you're done, you go back to the court. And I did it really quick. Like I did it in a matter of probably like a month and a half because I was like, I just need to get this over with at this point. Because the longer it goes, the more stressed out you are, you know, like it's just anxiety through the fucking roof. So I got it done and we go back to court. The judge is like, okay, you know, you kept up with your end of the, the bargain or whatever. And he's like, we're just going to defer this. So nothing's going to be on your record. You know, you you did your time, basically. You helped out the community. Hopefully, you learned something from this. You know, you're not going to go steal more wine again. I was like, no, definitely not going to steal any more wine. I'm done. Thank you very much. <laughs> and walked out of the courthouse. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. And so, I guess your family member, whose identity you'd stolen, she was never getting any notifications at home, like, you're due in court today or something like that. Nope. She never got anything. It all went to our address. I mean, she she didn't even live in the state. Mm, okay. There was no way for her to even find out. She has she has no clue till this day. She has no fucking clue. All right. So what's what's next? You got you you left court. So it was probably a couple months after that, and you know I kept my nose clean. Like I didn't I didn't do shit after that. I literally like I stayed in the fucking house. Right. And I I just waited until I turned 18. Wow. And as soon as I turned 18, it was probably like that same month I ended up getting a job and I saved up and I paid off my warrants and I was scot-free. This is amazing. How much did it cost to pay off the warrants? Oh, God, I don't remember. I think it was probably close to like $700. Okay. Yeah. That's a pretty low price tag for freedom. Yeah. <laughs> I happily paid it. I was like, <laughs> government, sure. take my fucking money because I can be me again. That's the best investment you ever made. Yes. <laughs> but it's crazy. So how long ago was that when you paid all those warrants? I, I don't really want to give my age away. <laughs> mm, okay, I understand. Can you? It, it's been over 20 years. How about that? I imagine when, you know, when you first paid off those warrants, you had this like rush of emotion. You're like, yeah. I can't believe I'm going to get away with this, right? I think it was more like I didn't even think about that aspect at the time. Like that was an afterthought. You know what I mean? At that point, it was I finally felt free and I felt free from my family. I felt free from the constraints of the law. Like I, I don't even know how like there's not words for the freedom that I felt for the first time in my life that I was able to do what I wanted, to live how I wanted, to make my own decisions, to to feel like I was a person that was capable of doing those things. You know, are you ever occasionally nervous that this is going to catch up with you? And are there any steps you take in your life to make sure that it doesn't? I, I just don't talk about it. I mean, that's honestly it. I just don't talk about it. And there are you know, times where I am afraid that it's going to catch up with me. 
But at the same time, I'm like, well, shit, like that was over 20 years ago. Look at how I've become a functioning part of society. I've given back. I've done good for the world. I would hope that, you know, my juvenile self wouldn't, you know, have to come up in my life now, in my adult life, because I'm not that same person. I'm not, I'm not who I was then. And those were like desperate situations. And I just don't make those decisions to put myself in those situations anymore. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Is there any chance that, you know, your criminal past could catch up with your relative whose identity you stole? Oh, no. No, I made sure that um, nothing went on her record. How did you do that? That's what the judge did because it was a first offense. So that's what it means to be deferred. Basically, it doesn't go on your record. Like you still get a punishment for it, but it's not held against you. So, I mean, there might be some little trickle of something out there. But, you know, if she were ever to get arrested for something, that wouldn't show up. I I just lucked out. Ben, I lucked out so hard in, in all aspects of everything that happened. It was like, where the fuck is this luck? Like, do I have a lucky rabbit's foot on me somewhere? Like, four-leaf clover? Like, <laughs> all this good luck just came my way, and I was able to get out of that situation. This is an amazing story. Just to bring it down to earth a little bit, I know there are going to be, you know, some people listening to this, and they're like, okay, you were an abused kid, and sure, that's where everything stems from and that has its place and has its validity but you still did this stuff and we're you know there's a tone of laughter and amazement in our interview but this is bad stuff and yes you never properly atoned for it through the criminal justice system you know what what would you say to people who said you need to spend proper time in jail you need to have your criminal record properly Noted and adjudicated. What, you know, what, what would you say? I would say, you know, look at look at the things that I did afterwards, too, though. You know, I, I got my shit together. Like, just because the law didn't punish me doesn't mean I didn't learn my lesson. Like, I know that it was wrong, you know. Um, I know that that wasn't okay, that things could have been handled differently, but I feel like I've been atoning for it my whole life and, and trying to give back in some way. You know, I, I went to college, you know, I, I try and help people. I've done a lot of volunteering at places to help people in shitty situations, you know. So what good is sending me to jail now when I've become something better than I was and I'm actually helping more than I'm hurting now? It wouldn't make sense for me to go and pay for something that happened to me as a kid, you know, that I feel like I've atoned for and I've learned from and tried to make myself better and make the world a better place because of it. Because I would have never done that had I not been through this. Are you still in touch with your boyfriend of the time? I talk to him occasionally. Unfortunately, that situation also went south. He got very controlling he was very verbally abusive, you know, that's kind of, you follow a pattern and you're like, okay, you had this happen as a kid and then you choose a guy that's like that. And I mean, it was good for a few years, but 
it just it went it went very south and it got to a point where it's, it actually started getting um, a little violent and by that time you know things kind of ended and I got out of that relationship and found yourself in another abusive situation yeah pretty much and I mean that happened for a little while you know it takes time for you to realize that that cycle and to be able to say okay well you know I gotta stop this I gotta stop choosing these guys that are like this and realizing what it is that you're choosing that it's these traits and qualities that they have to be that way do you ever worry that he might do something to turn you in oh no because he'd be just as liable. That's true. And so I guess the two people uh, that know or knew your secret that have passed away were his grandparents. His grandparents, yes. And so that still leaves a couple of people, I think, that know your secret that aren't your ex-boyfriend. Who, who else knows? So it's about three friends. Oh, that you've just confided in. Well, no, they were there, too. They were there for the whole thing. You know, they hung out with me. They knew what was going on. Um, they were there the night that I got arrested and went to jail. You know, they were there at the movie theater. They were, <laughs> right. I think some of them are in worse places than they were back then. So, Are you in touch with them? I know it's been a long time. Not, not really. I did see one of them. There was a bunch of stuff, you know, that happened after I was 19. And we were a tight group. And then, you know, drugs and alcohol come into the mix and shit just goes awry. And that's what kind of happened. And we all just kind of went our separate ways and live our separate lives now. Like, we don't really talk to each other, um, don't really see each other. Honestly, I don't, I don't really care to. Yeah. Like. Life moves on. Yeah. And Sarah, are you in a relationship now or, or married? I am, yes. Do you have kids? I'm not married. I don't have kids. I, I don't want kids. I think that there's that fear there. You know, with my background, that if I brought a kid into the world, would I be able to tolerate it? Would I have the emotional stability to deal with all the shit that children bring? And it's just not, it's just not me. Well, it's a personal decision, of course. Yeah. My fiance is kind of the, the same way. Like, I'm engaged now. I, it's a healthy relationship. Congratulations. <laughs> it's been pretty amazing, honestly. Um, it's a very long-term relationship, so life is good now. Well, I'm happy for you. Does your fiancé know this sordid story of your past? Um, he knows a little bit, but I don't think I've ever actually told him the full-out thing. Wow. Um, Why not? It just never came up. Like, I didn't want... <laughs> it never came up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, when he... What do you say? Hey, when I was a teenager, I did all this crazy shit. I mean, you know? <laughs> yeah, you could. I mean, it's kind of a big part of your past. I mean, it's your story to tell. <laughs> but I mean, that would be how you could bring it up. Yeah, I think it just who I was then is not who I am now. And when I met him, I just started going to college. So it was it was like I was on this whole new journey in life. I feel like there's a very dark side of my life that most people don't experience and I don't think he's experienced it in that way and I think that honestly putting that on him would be hard for him to take so Sarah what do you think he would do if he found out I mean it would be okay if he found out he found out well what am I gonna do I know but I mean I could see somebody you know might end a relationship over a revelation like that like I mean 
what the hell are you doing not telling me this important part of your past? I'm not saying that's going to happen. I just wonder if you have that fear. Yeah. I don't. No. I He he accepts me wholly for who I am. I mean, we, we've been together for like nine plus years. You know what I mean? And that's kind of all that matters, you know? Well, Sarah, I want to thank you so much for, you know, sharing your incredible story of crazy youth adventures. <laughs> I'm not sure how to say that. <laughs> and, and your personal story of evolution. It's really amazing. Thank you. And you're welcome. Thank you for letting me share my story. You're still on the lamb. <laughs> Always will be, I guess. Right? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> just a little bit. It would seem that Sarah's pretty much square with the law at this point. Her warrants are all paid off, but there's still the little matter of identity theft hanging out there. But it has been a minute, and the statute of limitations has expired, so she's scot free. But regardless, she still bears the twin burden of carrying this secret and choosing to withhold her story from those closest to her. But, as we say on the podcast, it's her story to tell, or not. Hey, Producer Susie. Hey Ben, I had some alternate titles for you. You always do. (laughs) (laughs) Did you want to hear a couple? Yeah, sure. Alright, be ready to pick your job off the floor. I'm ready. Forever flight risk? Okay, getting there. Run, hide, expunged. Wow. So brutal. <laughs> Got any other winners in your in your grab bag there? Grab bag's empty. How about love, life, and lamb? Oh, God. <laughs> you think I'm bad. Life on the lamb. Bah. <laughs> you have to use that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> bah. Special thanks to the production team this week. Susie Lark, Sashel Brooks, and Alessandra Nigro. Music and theme are by Breakmaster Cylinder, Chet is the sound engineer. You're a key player too. Thank you for downloading. Also key, my wonderful guests who share their stories for the world. You can join them. Submit your incredible secret at our website, secretroompod.com. And please consider adding a little sparkle to your friends' podcast playlists by recommending your favorite indie podcast they could. This is A Secret Room, a podcast about the stories no one ever tells. I'm Ben Ham. Pod on. Pod on. Thank you.